How we doing? Welcome into episode three of the recap. I'm your host, Ryer, and today we have on the walking DB, Bryce Aldrich. How you doing, Bryce? I'm doing well. Um, it's been nice watching all kinds of hockey lately. Yeah, definitely. It's been, it's been a real treat, and we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about uh, wrapping up the first round, and then we're going to move into the second round, and then we'll end the show with a couple of stories around the league that we'll get to. But let's hop right in. Let's go to the first series I got here. Vegas moves past Chicago in five games. We had no seven-game series in the first round. A little disappointing, but all these series um, I thought were pretty good. Uh, this one, in the Hawks put up more of a fight than I thought they were going to. It was a lot of tight games. Ultimately, Vegas moves past them in five, which was to be expected. At the end of the day, Vegas just had uh, you know more guns up front and a little bit better goaltending, I think. So. What are your thoughts on this series here, Bryce? I mean, I think that you got to look at it like three of Vegas's four wins were only one goal games. And the guys like Kane and Taze and Copa League all, all showed up. Like, I mean, right off the bat, the uh, you kind of knew that Vegas is going to be a, a hot commodity for the – their playoffs, they're they're just so stacked all the way up through, and they're huge. Like they can, and they lay the body. They're not afraid to do that at all. So it's been it, that series was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I mean, even though it went five games, that it felt like it went the entire seven. Yeah, for sure. And Vegas did a good job over the past couple of years. They obviously came in, went to the cup, and they've added you know those pieces like Mark Stone and Patchetti things like that to really give them those heavy hitters that they were kind of missing that first year. And Chicago is kind of the opposite. They have the heavy hitters. They just got to look to fill out, you know, their bottom six. Uh, I mean, obviously they have Keith and all that, but I think it's time they need a new stud on defense. So they need a little work there, but uh, you know, they, they shouldn't uh, hold their head down. They put up a good fight. No one expected them to be here and you know, they made it through. I mean, there's still kind of a, a, in a rebuilding mode too they didn't expect to to come into the playoffs and win the entire thing so it, it was a good it was a nice fought series but I do agree with you they uh the age is starting to get to them on that back end and they do need to find those pieces exactly it is encouraging though with that young coach they have that he was able to rally them um as best he could moving on here we got the abs as they just cruise past the yotes I mean I, I was impressed by the Coyotes for, you know, getting past Nashville. Darcy Kemper is unbelievable. But in this series, other than that one game, it kind of looked like when we're playing NHL and, you know, you use an AHL team and the other guy's got the Bruins or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was that was a, a series for sure. It went six games. And, I mean, Montreal played well. But if you're Carter Hart, if we're you doing- – Abs and Yotes. Abs and Yotes. Abs and Yotes? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to them. We'll get to Canadians and Philly a little bit later. But Abs and Yotes right now, Yotes uh, go down in five to uh, – I mean, sorry, Yotes go down in five to the Abs. Yeah. I mean, Colorado was just out of their mind this entire series. And the way that they ended it with two seven-to-one wins was, I mean – it kind of just showed that Arizona was not not ready for that, what Colorado was bringing. 
Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it, it was a good showing by them, but uh, ultimately abs were too much. And we'll talk about what the abs are looking like, like right now. They're up against Dallas, who Dallas won over Calgary, which I was a little surprised about this one. I picked Calgary. I knew it was going to be a good series. Um, Dallas is starting to heat up. They started out slow, uh, kind of similar to the Bruins, started out slow in that round robin, but they've been playing really good hockey lately. Uh, I think it would have been a different series if Kachuk is, uh, you know, is playing the full series. I think he's a huge part of that lineup. And probably if you told me beforehand that he wasn't playing, I probably would have gone with Dallas. Yeah. Uh, Dallas was look, they look really good right now. They are, they're really coming together and Calgary, they played well, but Dallas just brought so much to the, uh, to the table, especially with, with, um, Joe Pavalski getting that, that, uh, the hat trick. I was, I mean, right, right away, you knew that something was going to happen. And the way that Dennis Garionov, the rookie came out and had five points in game six, it's just, they're bringing everything to the table besides just Ben and Sagan. Yeah, exactly. Which is what they needed. Cause Sagan was, uh, you know, he had a slow start. And they, they do. They they look like they're getting, you know, contributions from up and down the lineup. And plus their defense can wheel both ends of the ice, which is huge as we've as we've seen out of them. Um, you know, Hintz, Heiskanen, they're all great defensemen. And Hudobin's been pretty good. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that, you know, he kinda I guess Ben Bishop's hurt. So you, you see that, but I was worried when he took over the starting job, but he's played pretty well. The thing is, like, with Hudobin, I've always thought that he was a very good backup. Like, when he was in Boston, he was a really good backup. And it when he went over there, I didn't really know how that was going to go. And it's just ended up being a really good fit for, for that goalie tandem with, with Bishop and, and Hudobin. Yeah, and I guess you, you don't need him to play that well for that long, you know, in this tournament. So, uh, as he can keep going, they'll be all right. Moving on here, we got Vancouver beating St. Louis in six games. This was one of the bigger surprises for me. Uh, I thought St. Louis would have, you know, at least made a little bit of a battle. They, you know, Binner, he struggled a little bit. So I think that was a big part of it. Um, you know, they lost kind of their glue guy in Maroon. I don't know if, how much that had to do with it. There's the cloud over Petrangelo. So you have to wonder if maybe questions in the locker room hurt them there. And also Vancouver just having, you know, nothing to lose, really. They're a young team. No one's expecting anything. Their power play has been unbelievable. And it's Tyler Mott. I didn't even – wasn't even on my radar, but now he is. He's been playing out of his mind. Yeah. Uh, Vancouver is actually a team that I, I have going the entire way. I, that's my, my Stanley Cup prediction. And I think that – even though they went in and they were a, a fifth, um, like a, a fifth seed in this, they are, they are something else. Like they have a lot of young guys that bring a lot to the table, like Horvat and uh, Peterson, and Hughes has just played very, very good on their their back end. Yeah, Peterson had a sick goal last night, and I think getting Brock Besser was huge for them. So they're one of these teams that benefited from the delay because they got Brock Besser back, and I think that really evens out their top six. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, with, with St. Louis, like, they obviously are 
are a stacked team. Like they wouldn't have been able to win that championship last last year if they didn't have guys that can really like bring it every night. And I didn't expect to see Jake Allen in this playoffs, but he 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 brought it when he was there. And through the five games that he did play in this playoffs, he brought a 1.89 goals allowed average and a 0.935 save percentage. Yeah, definitely. And I don't, I'm not too worried about St. Louis moving forward. Like I said, they do have that question with Petrangelo, but I mean, whether you let him go or you keep him and let someone else go, I think they're fine on the back end. I think, you know, just a down year, it happens. Um, obviously the layoff and everything, they were in first uh, going into the playoffs. So I'm not too worried about them. I think they'll be all right. Their window's still open. Uh, we got the next series here, the one you were eager to talk about. So we got Flyers in Montreal. Flyers uh, take down Montreal in six games, but Montreal put up a hell of a fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had – their two wins, they, brought, they put up five goals on Philly. And not many people thought that you were going to be seeing five goals get put on Carey Price even once. So – Carey Price is obviously one of the best goalies in the world, but for Carter Hart to beat his idol was that was that was pretty neat to see. Yeah, it was definitely a goalie duel. That was that was great to see, great to watch. And I think that Montreal needs to work quickly to put pieces around, you know, because obviously they can compete. We saw it. They can play well, they can rally rally around each other. Um, the question mark with Claude Julien is if he comes back to coaching or not. Uh, either way, they seem like a tight group. So if you can get, you know, maybe a stud or two up front, a center, a first-line center would be great. Um, you're going to have a, great, a good team there, a playoff team. So And they got to do that quickly because uh, Price is, you know, not old, but getting older. So uh, definitely want to hop on that as soon as you can. Yeah, like, I mean, you look right down their lineup and they're extremely young. And they have guys that are going to be there for a long time. If, I mean, that's obviously with the salary cap restrictions and everything like that. But you, like you said, Carey Price, he's, he's getting older and, and that window is going to close for his book at the very least. Yeah. And another thing I want to touch on, this series got really heated. Uh <laughs> We got Brendan Gallagher in one of the games there, just bleeding out his mouth, would not stop chirping the other bench. Uh, unfortunately, he got injured. Uh, couldn't play the last game, I believe. But it was, it was good to see, you know, that playoff level intensity that people were worried about not seeing in the bubble. But obviously, it was there, and I think it'll continue throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Gallagher brings that every night, too. He, he's very explosive when he when he wants to be and then another part that I really thought was hilarious was when Suzuki patted Hart on the head like for a rookie to go in there and be that confident I was that was it brought a lot of uh intensity to that series yeah that was a wild move uh, I wouldn't do that first couple of years in the league but yeah you know it added to it so you love to see that yeah uh, all right, next series here, we got Tampa beating Columbus. And this was the closest five-game series of, like, all time that I've ever seen. I believe three overtime games, one uh, I think went to double overtime, and then we had the five-overtime game, obviously. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it was just, you know, Tampa had the closers and Columbus didn't have as many of those. 
I think they, you know, I'm curious as to what would have happened if they could have kept, you know, guys like Panarin and Duchesne and all that. It's, it's tough to see that no one wants to go there because they're such a well-coached team. They play their systems. And maybe that's part of why they played so good is because it was like chip on the shoulder. But, you know, if they can get some talent in there, uh, I'd be interested to see how far they could really take it because I think they have, you know, a good core and obviously outstanding goaltending. And you, you can't forget the, uh, the coaching by Tortorella. Like, he brings, he brings so much to that bench that, like, those, the, he gets guys that you really didn't expect to do anything to, to work their, their butts off. And you see, like, going right back through w- what the series looked like, the only game that was separated by two goals was Columbus's win. So it just shows how much of a fight there actually was on Columbus's end. Yeah, exactly. And Tortorella is a great coach. Um, we're going to talk some coaching later uh, in the episode here, but we'll move on to Bruins over Carolina. I thought this was going to be way more of a battle. I thought this was going to go six, seven games and maybe Carolina could pull it out. But after their slow start in the round robin, the Bruins showed up as they have been all year. And even after losing Rask, uh, mid-series, Halak played pretty well the rest of the series, and you know, not much, not much out of Carolina to to really fight back. I didn't even when they won games, I really wasn't worried about the Bruins not taking this series. Yeah, um, it was it was basically it's tough because I mean it was basically Aho versus the Bruins. Aho had 12 points in his eight playoff games between the qualifier and the first round, and he just brings so much to that roster, and so does so does Andrei Sveshnikov. But, like, the Bruins really – it's like they woke up and they were ready to go. They had those tough games in the quali- in the, uh, the round robin, and they were just – they were there. They Even though the games all were very tight and it was, it was back and forth a lot of the time, especially with – with Boston's 4-3 win in game four. Um, it was just an exciting series to watch, and I'm, I'm very excited about, about this second round. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think Shreshnikov was a big loss for Carolina, but like you said, Bees just woke up and you know, played their game, and they didn't really have anything else for him besides Ajo. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it. No other series. I don't want to talk about any other series in the first round, Bryce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, the Isles beat the Capitals. The Isles played unbelievable. Props to them. Can't hate on them. They stuck to their systems. They are not the most talented team. They're very well coached. I really wish the Capitals had a coach like that. That would be crazy. They could probably even want to see on the cup with one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but besides two periods of game four, the Capitals looked dead in the water. They looked like they had no motivation, no inspiration, uh, just really nothing for the Isles. They dominated them pretty thoroughly throughout the series, even that first period of game four. And, you know, a change needed to be ha- uh, need to happen, and so they fired Todd, Todd Rudin. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough because, like, you look through the lineup, and you see all these these stars, but you do have to kind of factor in the fact that they didn't have Backstrom. And you got to think about, like, would that have looked different 
because I certainly do. I certainly think that it'd be a lot different if they had Backstrom in the lineup. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, definitely having him go down, having Carlson, you know, he obviously wasn't himself. He didn't really, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't otherworldly like he was all season. So I think whatever the injury was in the round robin, it was obviously more, or sorry, in the exhibition game before even the round robin, it was obviously something that, you know, hindered him a little bit, I, I would think. Um, but yeah, I think Backstrom is a huge difference. But even then, I think based on talent, if you're looking at it, even without Backstrom, this team still had more talent than the Islanders and they got absolutely dominated. You know, if it's a close series like last year with Carolina, that's a different story. But you say, you know, you chalk it up to that, like, oh, Backstrom, if you would have been there, maybe it would have been different. But I, I honestly don't know because they got so outplayed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, through the qualifiers in the first round, Car Carlson was still their points leader, and he only played five games. And you have everyone else that played eight. And it just – it's tough because – I mean, it wasn't like it was deep into the playoffs where there could have been a ton of underlying injuries either so far. Like, it's, it's just almost like they weren't, weren't prepared for that style of play that the Islanders brought. Yeah, and a run of bad luck. TJ Oshie goes down last year, Backstrom this year. But at the end of the day, there's, there had to be a change because it happened back-to-back -back years. So, like I said, they did get rid of, rid of Todd Reardon. That's a, that's a mouthful right there. Uh, Brian McClellan made comments. He said he wants to hire a veteran coach, which I say thank God because, obviously, we've seen throughout you know, the past decade they've hired new coaches, and they haven't worked. The only coach that's worked is Barry Trotz. Uh, well, they've worked, you know, they've done well, but they couldn't get there. So obviously they need that extra little bit to get there. And Barry was the only one who got them there. So possibilities uh, that I've seen floating around, and I want to hear your thoughts on these, and I'll give mine real quick. Boudreaux, I, I don't want to see that <laughs> because I've seen it before. I know how it ends. Uh, he hasn't really impressed in his last coaching since, so I, I don't really want to go there again, especially – it would be one thing if it was a newer group, but the core is, you know, similar to what, what, it, what it was back then, or at least the types of players filled back in. So he's out there. Uh, Babs is out there. I, I also don't want to see that. I'm just not really a fan of Mike Babcock. Great coach. Never, you know, say anything bad about his coaching, but I think he's just his type of coaching is past its time. So I don't think he would help a lot. Gerard Gallant is interesting to me. I would put him at number two for who I would want to hire. But again, that wouldn't be, um, you know, a sexy hire. He's, he's good. I think he would keep them competitive, but I don't know if he would take them there. The number one person that I would like them to hire based on who is available right now. Like I said, we don't know. Maybe some other coaching changes will happen, but I'd like to see Laviolette be their head coach. Uh, I think he's seen instant success in a lot of places, and that's what the Capitals need with their aging core. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit on on three of the four names that I was going to bring up, and the fourth being Lane Lambert. Um, since he – I mean, he was with Washington when they won the Cup, and he went with Barry Trotz over to, to the Islanders. And he's familiar with that core. Um, but he also hasn't coached 
like been a head coach at the NHL level. And so I'm almost thinking that that would weed him out, but I agree. Uh, I think Laviolette is, is the guy that you, you've got to go with. I mean, w- what he did in Nashville was, was awesome. Watching him bring them to the Stanley cup finals, although they lost, like he brings a lot to the, a lot to the table and he's won a cup before with Carolina back in 06. So he, he has that, uh, he, I mean, he's, I think, I personally think he's the guy. Yeah, I would agree. He, he brought the flyers there too. So he can obviously get to that point. And like you said, he has finished it off. So you get to three cups with three different teams. That's pretty impressive. Um, and I would, I would like to see that him be the next coach of the Capitals based on what's available right now. And honestly, I don't see anything, anyone else leaving a team unless something crazy happens that I would rather see. Like I said, <laughs> I wish they could trade for torts, but other than that, I think Labulet's the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, you could also look at some of the assistants on Philadelphia with having, um, I mean, Michelle Therrien's not not exactly a, a guy that I would pick as my guy, but he's one that has experience as well as Mike Yo. And uh, I don't know, there could be there could be some random ones that haven't been mentioned yet. Yeah, that's true. Um, those would both be you know people to at least interview, look at. They're, again, to me, I think it would be they could keep them competitive, but I don't know if they're the guy to get them there. So. But we'll see what happens with that. Um, we're going to move on here to the second round. A couple games have happened already. Um, so we'll give predictions on what we thought prior to the series and then just kind of talk about the series thus far. So first uh, series I have here, Isles versus Flyers. Uh, I was thinking Flyers in six, maybe seven, just because of how well the Islanders have been playing. But again, same as with the Capitals, I think on – paper the Flyers just have more talent obviously it it didn't work out in the first round with the Capitals but I like I said I think they were uninspired I think the Flyers are a team that has gelled I think they're a good group and Elaine Bignon is a great coach so I think they'll be able to get past them they get blown out in the first game interested to see what happens in game two coming up here today Uh, but what are your thoughts on this one Bryce? Um, I have, I have the Flyers going in six as well, uh, or not as well, but I have the game, the series going in six. I have the Flyers. Um, I think that they have a lot, a lot of experience and a decent amount of playoff experience. And that might be something that they have over the Islanders is the amount of guys that have played in those playoff games with the Islanders being so young. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd like to see Carter Hart go deep and I'm not, I love Barry Trotz, but I think that, I think that what the, uh, what the Flyers bring is, is a little more. Yeah. I think it's two, two head coaches who are in the same realm, uh, you know, talent wise. So I think right there that then you move to the actual players and I think the, the Flyers just have the better, better team. Uh, better, well, I don't know, Varlamov's been unbelievable, but <laughs> I would have said before the playoffs they have the better goaltender. So we'll see what happens there. Moving on here, Tampa versus the Bruins. I think this is going to be the most entertaining series. 
it has been very entertaining so far through two games tied up 1-1 last night goes to overtime I got the Bruins in seven uh Halak he let up a couple tough goals last night he needs to bounce back from that obviously I think that's the key here if Halak can play at a, an above average level, you know, keep them in games. I think the Bruins have looked stronger as a team so far. Yeah, I think that I, I mean, definitely in game one, I would say went the, the Bruins way. Um, there were certain aspects of last night's game, especially in the first period that I, I questioned how, how much they were in that game. Um, I mean, Brad Marchand played out of his mind and, and that really – that helped that helped them bringing the game to overtime, obviously. But there was a lot that um, that Blake Coleman did last night that really put him on my radar for sure. And he he looked very well. Um, I think that the series goes Boston in seven, but it's not going to be a, a walk through the park. No, definitely not. I could see this, you know, being a, a bit of a throwback with when they played them back when they won the cup and it going down right down to it, like an overtime win or something to move on. Um, and then I, I think you'd have to say whoever wins this series is, I don't know, it, unless the Flyers get going again, you know, you'd, you'd expect one of these two to make it to the cup, but we'll see you there. Uh, yeah, that last sequence last night where Marshawn tied it up with whatever it was, three minutes left, was crazy. Just straight-up hustle, getting the puck back multiple times, and they were tic-tac-toeing it. Also, the power play goal where um, Pasternak just basically ripped it off, Marshawn sticking in, was uh, awesome to watch, too. Yeah, I mean, Marshawn has really found his groove, especially in the last game. And, like, I, I just think that – I think that they, uh, when they're clicking, they, they're unstoppable. And there's been parts of this playoffs that I feel like Pasternak hasn't exactly been um, hitting what everyone expected. But I think that when he has guys like Marshan really uh, shining through, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help that line for sure. Yeah, definitely. And Pasternak's the type of guy to – similar to like, you know, Vetchkin where he can be having a game where he's kind of out of it. And then just all of a sudden, you know, he rips a goal top shelf. That's huge. You know what I mean? He can go for whatever, 50 minutes without doing much. And then the last 10 minutes kill you. So that's huge to have, even when, you know, he's having a bit of a down game. Yeah. Uh, All right. Moving on here. We got Vegas versus Vancouver, your Stanley cup pick. Uh, On the other side, Vegas, I, they seem to be everyone's, you know, go-to when asking who they think is going to win the cup. They've looked really good. Uh, Vegas dominated game one. Vancouver came flying back last night. They got Toffoli back, which I think is huge. He had three points last night. So obviously it's huge if he's going to keep playing like that. Um, it was a good game last night. They battled back a little bit. Uh, Vegas did, but Vancouver was able to step on the throat there and finish it off and get an important win, I think. Yeah, it was a big win, um, and their their studs are just shining through right now. All their young guns. I mean, Peterson has 16 points through his first 12 career playoff games, and then you look at the at the defensive end, and Quinn Hughes is second among uh, defensemen before they're turning 21 with the amount of assists that he has in 12 games. 
I mean, he is, they're both just really finding their groove as well. And they have so many assets that I think that they do counter Vegas's talent pool. Yeah, I would agree. They have, they've had that defense that's always been solid, you know, with guys like Edler and stuff, but they needed that, that playmaker on defense. And obviously Quinn Hughes is it. He's doing it right off the bat, which, you know, is awesome to see. He's, he's battling it out with Cal McCarr to be, you know, rookie of the year. And I think this guy is going to be super important to, even if they, they get knocked out this year, it's going to be huge to have him moving forward. And also Markstrom's played really well in that um, guy who's traveled around a bit, had a tough time finding his spot, but he seems to be fitting in well here and he's looked really good so far. I mean, he was, he was a guy that had a hard time finding, finding a starting job and he's done very well. And they, they have Thatcher Demko as their backup, and he was another one that, that I think is right there on talent alone, like it, like equivalent to what Markstrom is. And I think Markstrom has just really, really done well. And if they do have to dip into that back end, I mean, to the, the backup, they're, they're pretty stacked right down, that, right down the court, but so is Vegas. Vegas has Flurry and, and Leonard, and they're – they're two guys that are uh, familiar with, with this playoff. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you with Thatcher Demko. And uh, we've seen that the NHL is kind of trending that way where you're, the backup is becoming more and more important, especially in the playoffs. We've seen a lot the last couple of years where there's been teams that have switched back and forth and things along those lines and it's helped teams get, make their way all the way uh, to the Stanley Cup final. Also, yeah, on the other side with Vegas, uh, like you said, two good goalies, but you see the little controversy uh, yesterday or the day before where uh, Mark Andre's, uh, what do you call it there, his uh, agent tweets out the thing with the stab in the back. That was a little aggressive. I, yeah, and if I'm, if I'm the guys in Vegas' uh... – in Vegas's corner, I, I'd want to address that pretty quick. And you know that it's definitely awkward for uh, for for Flurry, but um, being in that lineup, I mean, being in the locker room with with all the guys that saw this, and they're probably wondering if he's he's fully on board with with their decisions, and if their agent is is doing if his agent's doing that, you you question that for sure. Yeah, and I think Marc Andre is a guy who has a good sense of humor. So ideally, he didn't really expect the agent to do that. And, you know, he kind of comes in and obviously awkward at first, but uh, he's been there for a while. A lot of those guys have been there since the start. So hopefully it was just kind of knocked off with a joke. In the end, it, it doesn't matter as much because unless they really need him, which they haven't thus far, I mean, he's the backup. So you know, you can kind of stick them on the bench and just say, all right, buddy, if you're not in, that's fine. The rest of us are. But hopefully that's not the case um, because they look really good and it's fun to watch them. Uh, how are you feeling about Riley Smith? Don't you wish he was on the Bruins? Oh, my. He's been unbelievable. 
Uh, yeah, he's been incredible, and I did not expect it at all until, um, obviously, these playoffs. He's He's been pretty good for them since he got there, but just been – he's stepped it up. He's a first-line guy, it looks like, and it was something that the Bruins, I think, waited around on for a while, and it just never clicked, and for whatever reason, uh, it's clicking in Vegas. Yeah, it's um, – I mean – when he was in Boston, he was playing third line, sometimes jumping up to the second line, but a lot of third line minutes, and you didn't expect something like this. Uh, but there's there's a lot of guys that Boston have got has gotten rid of that have done uh, wonderful things elsewhere. Yeah, they seem to be like how Nashville trades away defensemen because, you know, they just have to because of cap or whatever, where they those defensemen go off and be nasty somewhere else they're kind of like the offensive version of that where they love to trade these uh young uh forwards and they go off and become incredible elsewhere guys like yeah. Sagan you know Kessel all that yeah uh all right final series here uh it's not gone the way I expected so far oh sorry going back to that one real quick I had Vegas in six what did you have there you had Vegas. I had I have um I have Van in seven. Okay. All right. So moving on to the last one here. Sorry, we'll go into picks first so we don't forget about them. Uh, Avs versus Dallas. I had Avs beforehand in six. Uh, now it's looking like probably seven at the least. And even now, I don't know. I'd probably change my pick at this point. Uh, Dallas takes the 2-0 commanding lead. They've played really well, like we talked about earlier. They've been great. Um, Tough loss for the Avalanche losing Grubauer, who I was never, you know, super on board with in Washington, but he's played well for them. And, you know, they go to the young backup and, you know, he's been okay, but I, I don't know if you can get by in this round uh, with, with that type of goalie play. So we'll see there. And then also Eric Johnson goes down, which is another big loss. So two tough losses for the Avalanche and, other than Nathan McKinnon, they haven't been getting much from the rest of the lineup. So they need that secondary scoring to come in, or this might be a quick series. Yeah, it. I mean, going right back, going right up to my picks. I have Colorado, and originally I was thinking it was going to be six games Colorado, but if I could change it now, I think I'd almost say Dallas in five, because. Dallas has just brought so much in Colorado. I mean, obviously the injuries hurt him. And Nathan McKinnon is the only one that's really shown up thus far. And But, I mean, going back to what I said with the first round with Dallas, they're bringing a lot to the table, like all the way down the lineup. Yep, definitely for sure. And that's been huge. And as we know in the playoffs, that's one of the bigger things that, you know, going back to a Capitals comparison, when they won the cup, they got, you know, huge production out of guys like Devontae Smith-Pelly, who I think had seven goals all year and then had seven in the playoffs. So that's what you need to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah. Avalanche hasn't been getting it, and Dallas has been. And that's been yeah. the difference. And um, like I said, we'll see Hudobin. But that is, out of these series, probably the only pick, like you were saying, that – I would like to take back and change right now. Um, I just kind of looked at Dallas as one of those teams that, you know, could get to the second round, but couldn't get, get past, but it looks like they're, they're on track for it. So 
they'll have an interesting matchup next round um, with either Vegas or Vancouver. Uh, those will be a good series no matter what. But the Avalanche can definitely still battle back if they start clicking. So we'll see there. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you've seen how, how Kale McCarr plays. Like, he's so dynamic in that defensive zone, but he also brings an offensive touch. And that could be a game changer as well. Maybe he's going to pick up where – where their loss is not having Eric, Eric Johnson. Yeah, that would, that would definitely be a way to uh, get back in the series and be Cal McCarr. Uh, all right, we got a few stories here uh, before we wrap up. So we'll start off in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh fires all of their assistants. Uh, this, to me, is kind of a cop-out move. I don't, I don't really see what – I mean, I guess obviously, you know, they're in charge of offense, defense, all that. But I don't really see this as a move that's going to change much. I think it's more of a save face move for Rutherford and uh, Sullivan. I think it's tough to let Sullivan go, even though they've struggled the last two years because obviously he won back-to-back cups. So he gets a bit of a longer leash. But I think, you know, next year if, he, if this happens again, he might be the one to go. Or if not him – it's going to be Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford, uh, actually, sorry, go, go ahead and give your thoughts on that, and we'll move on to the trade after that. With, with which part? With uh... The assistance there. Like, what do you think of that move? How do you think it affects the team, if at all? Because to me, it just seems like a throwaway move that you kind of have to do to appease the fans, appease the boss. Oh, yeah, I think that they, they really were – they just wanted to shake up the lineup. and. You you had to throw something in there to kind of give the fans a little bit of hope, especially going into what's going to end up being three four month off season. And yeah. so, I mean, I don't think this is going to be the only only type of moves that Pittsburgh's going to make in the off season either, though. Yeah, and as we saw yesterday, they trade a first rounder for Kasperi Kapanen uh, in Toronto from Toronto. Uh, I, this is a move. I, I don't see it as, I mean, Kasperi Kapanen is a talented player. He's been a bit of a liability in Toronto. They need cap room. So I think, I think Toronto won this trade to me. I don't know what your thoughts are, are on it, but you know, Pittsburgh has also been a place where some, some smaller guys go and they really find their game. So you put him on a line with Malkin or Crosby and see what he can do. But at this point right now today, I would say Toronto won the trade because the first rounder, um, those have been huge. And, you know, they could trade that. They could use it. We'll see what they do with it. But um, to me, yeah, this, this also looks like Rutherford, what he always does, whenever something is going wrong in the locker room, he's a guy that makes a trade. This is his MO. This is what he does. So I'm not surprised that it happened. Um, and I, I, like you said, I don't think it'll be the last trade he makes this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I see that they send Evan Rodriguez to Toronto, and he's a guy that plays very well on your third and fourth line. And they need more – I think Toronto needs more depth in that lower the lower six, and I think that he can bring a lot. Um, I mean, watching him back when he was at BU, he, that's just – he brings a lot to the table. And even though he's a bottom six guy, it does fill – fill some of their void. And yeah, Kapanen's very, uh, very talented, but Toronto just got, got a first round pick out of it as well. 
Yep, definitely. Uh, all right, next story we got here. This one's a little bit grimmer, so we're going to get to it, and then we'll move on from it. Uh, Mike Milbury. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not a Milbury fan. Uh, I think, you know, good player, but beyond that, coaching GM and now analyst, he's been – he's not my favorite. Uh, so the first thing he says is – obviously not is completely different from what just happened the other day. But the first thing he says a few days ago, like a week ago or so, he thinks that the, that OT shouldn't be five on five on in the playoffs after that five OT game. To me, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is how you grow the game. This was the most exciting thing that happened in sports. I'm sure it actually made it on the ESPN, which doesn't happen often with hockey. So to get on there and say that, especially from an old school guy, was just surprising to me, and I don't agree with it at all. I think five on five in playoffs is how it needs to be. Yeah, I also think that five on five in playoffs is is what it should be and what it's always been. Like you can't you can't do that. Like he and yeah, coming from that old school perspective, you you think he's played he's played in the game for a long time plenty of double overtime games. Those are the most exciting. Like watching that kind of hockey, it brings an entire level of intensity to the, to the viewers. So, Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And I think what they've done <clears throat> during the regular season is great. The, you know, three on three is awesome. It's exciting. But I think when you get, when you're going after the biggest prize, it, it has to be decided five on five. You, you can't, you know, go down to three on three and have, you know, a loose puck turn to a breakaway and that's how you lose the game. I, I just don't think that's the way it should be. And definitely not a shootout, which I think he might've even threw that in there that it should go to a shootout at some point, which is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> even with the shoot, the shootout comments, like I think personally that they should get rid of it in the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's, it's that level of intensity that, that, I don't think that a shootout is what needs to be there in the playoffs. And yeah, yeah it's awesome for the regular season, like Definitely. here and there. But I think that that's just not, it, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's good for highlights. You know, you get the, the Patrick Kane slowing down, doing the sick moves in the shootout. But I wouldn't even be mad if they took the shootout out of the regular season, especially now that it's down to three on three. I get that you want to end the game, so it, it's fine there. But um, I like adding the extra couple minutes to the overtime because I think three on three, you're going to get a result pretty quickly um, just with the level of skill in these guys. But moving on to the other Mike Milbury story. So in, in the Islanders, and I think it was during Islanders game, he comes on and makes this comment saying that, um, you know, the players – don't have women around to distract them. Uh, so that's why it's great hockey or something along those lines. It, it was an awful comment to make. You don't need to make that comment. Um, if you're saying that the guys aren't out, you know, chasing women, then that's one thing. But the way he worded it is making it seem like women are a problem, which is unacceptable. And you're on national TV, dude. Like, use your head. Just, I can't – I have no words for it. I mean, you're a professional. You've been doing this for years, and you're on live television. Everybody's listening to you. To think that's an okay thing to say 
um, especially working alongside a lot of, you know, awesome women in sports, in the sports industry is just, you know, and we've seen it in the past, you know, with Ronick and things like that. If that didn't fly, why do you think this would fly? Especially when the Ronick thing was, you know, with a f- talking about a friend and a joke, obviously it was too far to say on national radio or sorry, podcast, but this is on national TV and it was, it was not a joke. He was, you know what I mean? It just wasn't funny. It's not a joke. So there's, there's a lot of things that Milbury says that you question for sure, because, because of the old school mentality and that's not even old school mentality. That's just not using your head. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just unacceptable. I don't want to spend any more time on it, but he did step away. Um, so we'll see what happens there. If, if they bring him back, then I mean, whatever you gotta, you gotta be smarter than that. If they don't, like I said, and this is not the reasoning behind my thoughts on this is that I don't like him. I don't want people to think that that's why I prefaced it with it. But you know, if he's gone, he's gone and I'm not going to miss him. So, um, if he's gone, do you think Sean Avery takes his job? Oh, <laughs> wow. All right. Uh, hey, Sean Avery, I, I think that would be good, honestly. Sean Avery is a guy that will cause controversy, but it won't be in that way because Sean Avery, even though, you know, he's a gnat and a pest and screams at people on the sidewalks, he's, he, you know, he respects everyone he respects women the lgbtq community um you know all that stuff he's he's spoke on it many times and i appreciate that about him so if he wants to get in there i would love to see that because he's gonna he's gonna cause some stir but it won't be the bad kind like no bury it'll be the good times yeah that would be exciting for sure uh all right so couple last two stories here. This one just came across my phone right before we got on, actually. So I don't know if you've seen this, but apparently the Coyotes committed some combine violations. I didn't look too into this rule 6.3, blah, blah, whatever. And I wasn't going to read through all that because I'm not going to fully comprehend it. But essentially they were, you know, working out players before they were allowed to. So they forfeit a second rounder this year and a first rounder next year, which is huge, especially for a team that, needs those picks yeah i did see this and yeah it says that it's believed that there were at least 20 incidents of (laughs) the coyotes fitness testing uh draft eligible players so that's a lot and it also notes that each violation could carry a fine of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or more wow uh I wonder if this has anything to do with uh, Chaika moving on. I don't think it does, but it's, it's tough to see. And, I mean, I kind of get it because you're the Coyotes. You want to do everything you can to get an edge because, for whatever reason, not many players want to go there. Um, so maybe that was their reasoning behind it, but a, a tough loss either way. And last story we have here, Ovechkin's going to be the cover athlete for NHL 21. You saw the video. You sent it to me. Video looks awesome. The covers look awesome. I'm pretty pumped about it. Great move by them. I know they singled me out and were like, well, we know Ryer's going to go out and spend the 60 bucks, which he normally doesn't. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to go down, but I can't this time. 
Yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited about that for sure, especially with the way that me, you, and uh, your last guest, Keels, play NHL constantly. This uh, It'll be fun, and I'm excited to see what the new uh, new features are in the game and, and what was updated. Yeah, definitely. All right, Bryce. Well, thank you for coming on. It's been another great episode. Appreciate it. Appreciate your thoughts. Uh, look forward to seeing you around, and I'm sure you'll be back on the show at some point. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. No problem. That's all for the recap. We'll see you all next time.